This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Today's interview is with a friend of mine that I've had on a few times before and someone I've gotten to know very well since 2020 during the pandemic when he and I met through our shared advocacy when we both had family members who died contracting COVID in their respective nursing homes. Assemblyman Ron Kim is the first and only Korean American ever elected to the New York State Legislature that has represented the 40th Assembly District since 2016. Ron is a Democrat that, despite backlash, went up against his own party and powerful leaders to criticize then-Governor Andrew Cuomo about his deadly order forcing thousands of COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. He joined forces with many Republican leaders across the aisle to sponsor a bill for a bipartisan investigation with subpoena power to find out the truth of what happened to over 15,000 seniors that lost their lives from COVID in their elder care facilities. And he has not given up that fight. Not only that, but Ron is using his position to help improve conditions in nursing homes to help our elderly residents by coming up with new ways to monitor the health and well-being of our seniors, which you will hear about in our conversation. Ron also talks about the death of his beloved dad and the process of grieving, which I don't think we talk enough about. A beautiful interview with a really good human being. Here is Assemblyman and Chair of the Committee on Aging in New York and my friend, Ron Kim. Ron Kim, thank you so much for being on the Dean's List again. Janice, it's always good to be back. You're doing so much. You're hanging out with Marky Mark, Mark Warburg. I saw you on social media. Now you got to talk to a local pop political guy again. I don't know how you talk. You know, I don't know how you hang out with Marky Mark and the next day you hang out with me. So, <laughs> Well, that's funny. I did see your little like on social media yesterday. Uh, you know, we're recording this on Thursday. We had Mark Wahlberg uh, on Fox and Friends. And, you know, we meet celebrities occasionally here on the channel. And some of them, you know, they kind of have their handlers and they come in. You don't you don't typically get to spend time with them. But I was impressed uh, with Mark Wahlberg because he took the time to not only talk to us as hosts, but people were coming in to see if they could try to get a picture with him. And he he took the time to do that. And so I think it's really important to sort of give those people a shout out because um, you, you know, it can be kind of a fickle, a fickle place, Hollywood. Um, but you know what? You're you're always my number one celebrity spotting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dennis. You're, you're my number one, too. <laughs> well, listen, I, w- I wanted to have you on for a number of reasons. But first, I wanted to talk about something that happened very recently. Um, an elderly, cancer-stricken man from New York City was saved by an AI device after he suffered from food poisoning while home alone. And I read the story, and then I see your smiling face next to him because you helped save this man's life. Tell me about the device and and how we can get it into more homes. Yeah, it's an AI-driven device, uh, kind of like a customized Alexa for older adults. 
which was launched in South Korea a few years ago after a scandal over there when an older person passed away at his home and no one found the person for almost three weeks. Mm. He was living by himself, isolated, and no one found the body for three weeks. Became a national scandal. And over there, they directed some of the best tech companies to work with the local government to find a solution here for older adults that are vulnerable, living by themselves in isolated places. And of course, over here, we have so many people in similar categories. So we decided to launch a pilot similar to what they did over here, over there. And and we, we administer about 200, uh, up to 200 devices. I think 100 actually has gone out so far. We're waiting for the 100, other 100 to go out. But what it does is it fills the gaps when Home care workers, nurses, they can't be there all the time, but we have a very fun, easy to use tech where older adults can engage, talk to, play music. But at the same time, the machine learning behind the device alerts the central database if something is wrong. All of a sudden, uh, the pattern is off. The person's not playing music. The person is using triggering words identified by the device that something is wrong. He has, he's anxious. He's, he has anxiety. He's depressed. Then he alerts the central person to check in with the older adult to see how you're doing. And this is that's exactly what happened with this case. The person usually plays a lot of happy music and all of a sudden he's going dark. So the device alerted the central social worker to check in on him. And then when he did, he was suffering, almost unconscious, barely, and couldn't call 911 because he was on the floor. Like so, And that's how uh, we were able to intervene and call 911 and get him the treatment that he needed uh, to, to live. That is amazing. You know, something as simple as like an Alexa device in a home where an elderly person lives. I read this story. My mom is 81 years old. She lives by herself. And I'm thinking to myself, where can I get one of these? Uh, So how can we as a population try to do these kinds of things to help our elderly? Yeah, it doesn't cost that much. We were able to secure some funding last year for the pilot uh, in my borough, Queens, but we want to scale this up for a statewide program. So I'll definitely follow up with you, Janice, <laughs> and we'll try to get a device for your mom um, as soon as possible. But we want every older adult living by themselves to have uh, not only this tool, but other type of tools that doesn't cost the state that much money, but it allows the caregivers, the social workers, the nurses that can't be there all the time to be to efficiently and effectively interact and monitor with their patients when they're not when they're not there. Mm-hmm. What was it like meeting meeting the the man that really was saved? buy this device what was it you know did he thank you was it was it a really kind of a a fun moment a moment that you you know that that you really felt like you were doing something for the community yeah no it it, it definitely felt great especially at a time when everyone is writing just negative stories around technology and ai and all these other things and and it's all how we design things, right? Mm. Humans design the technology. And if we design technology to do good things, that's what technology will do. And we're showing that. Like if you're, if you're designing AI to exploit children 
playing on you know social media that's what they'll do mm. right but if we design the machine to actually assist older adults and vulnerable people so we can as as caregivers do a better job that's what the machine will do and that's and the and the person was so grateful and he all he asked for was for other people his friends uh who don't have the device to have an opportunity to to get it um at the same time you know it was a touching feeling because you know he's an elderly man he uh he's also suffering from cancer and and as you know my I lost my dad to cancer recently so it was a touching moment for me that here's a here's another person in my community going through similar uh problems and challenges but living by himself because mm. for whatever reason right like his family I don't want to dive into how he got there but you know his family's not near him So imagine going through all the chemo and the drugs and managing the medication and you don't have your loved ones anywhere near you and so I, it, to me it was it was it was both inspiring and and also kind of emotional at the same time and and I felt uh, a, a deeper purpose that there as long as there are the people like him and and out there I want to do a better job of reaching out to them. Mm, such a beautiful way to think about it. You know, tell me about your dad. Um, you know, you lost him a few weeks ago. He, what a fighter though, Ron. I mean, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time now and you we would talk and you would say he wasn't doing very well and you, and when you would go through the motions of trying to say goodbye and bringing your girls and he would fight back. Uh and that happened so many times and then, you know, tell me about the moment when you told your dad it was okay to let go. Yeah. I mean, last a uh, year or so is exceptionally tough i i'm the only i'm i'm the only child i was only i was his main caregiver uh and I, like you said we went through so many ups and downs and i've said goodbye to him i feel like so many times every time he has gone to the er for different reasons i thought that we lost him uh and on christmas day uh he ended up getting uh intubated because he was he was uh there was excessive uh bleeding he was coughing up a lot of blood and we brought him to the I brought him to the ER and I was going back to my family and literally 30 minutes later they're calling me back in and saying okay I think we need to intubate him to figure out what's wrong with them where the where the bleeding is coming from and as you know when people are intubated Uh, it's very hard at, especially at this kind of stage for them to come out of it so we were kind of going through that motion with them and I'm talking to him and he's the last thing he did before he went under was give me a a pound fist <laughs> and said I got this um I'm going to fight I'll be okay I'll see you again soon and uh, and then, so I'm going home again and then I get called back an hour later because he's having this uh On, on on christmas day the, the after christmas he uh it was and he was going through this heart failure right and uh, while he was intubated yeah, he was getting a cardiovascular attack a heart attack almost and so i thought this was it so i'm getting i'm in this uh specialized room uh, getting uh, uh facetiming his sister from from korea to say goodbye and calling his uh, closest uh, 
Marine buddies who are who've been close to him to to let them know this is this might be it. Uh, and then two days later, he wakes up. <laughs> you know, he 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 told, and we thought that we lost him, but he 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 woke up. He came back to us, and uh, and he was. I think the first uh, thing he said to me was, "I came back for you." Uh, you know, I was there when he woke up, and it was like, "I'm here for you." And I, you know, at that point, I just. What had to let him know because he was suffering so 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 much, and you know cancer was spreading everywhere. Uh, and the last time he did chemo, coming out of chemo, he fell. You know, it wasn't. It, it was at that point with the the oncologist. Everyone knew that this was. Uh, there's no point of going to chemo. Even it's just it's just not worth this time. Um, and I had to just let him know that. You know, if you if you want to fight, if you want to live and, you know, see another day with us, I'll support you all the way. But if it's for me and you think you need to protect me, uh, you don't need to do that anymore um, and you can let go and it's OK. Like, I'm, I'm fine. Um, and I think for him, uh, he was extremely worried because I don't have any siblings and uh, despite me, you know, being a you know a forty-four-year-old man, I think I, I think as a parent, you can never uh, feel uh, less protected of your of your son or of your of your child, and that's how he felt at the end that uh, he didn't want to leave uh, me behind in an isolated, lonely life, um, and I had to remind him that no, that's not it, you know, and. You know, I may not have siblings, but I have friends and families and a beautiful family uh, with three young daughters and we'll be fine. It was a beautiful uh, ceremony. Um, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I felt like you had so much love and support, not only from your friends and your family, but the community that came out to support you. It must have felt, I don't know how, you know, you're saying goodbye to your father, your friends and family are around you, are you able to sort of take stock at all of these people who love and care for you as well um, in that moment? Because I just, I did, I felt such love in that room for you. Uh, absolutely. And and thank you and, and Sean for being there. Yeah, I, I, I think it's the type of um, a farewell that my dad wanted you know, he was, like I said in my eulogy, a, a very, he was a gregarious man. He was outgoing. And even though the decisions he's made for us in his life uh, was to live this kind of isolated, lonely life at the end. Uh, but every step of the way, he yearned for more socializing, more friends, more community. Uh, but sometimes you don't end up with what you truly desire. And that's what happened to my dad and many others like him because the sacrifices we make for the next generation. And that's what America, that's what America is really about, right? Always the, for the general, the previous generation making sacrifices. So the next generation can do a little better and work harder. And that's exactly what he did. And at the end, I wanted to give him the kind of, 
gregarious, wel- you know, welcoming uh, community that could send them off um, in the way that he would have wanted. And and that's definitely we've definitely felt that. And and for me, it, it, it's it's I think it's a process. I'm uh I'm finally taking a little time off uh, with my family, with my girls, uh, to kind of put the phone down and really reset as a as a family and as a, as a unit, because I, I did notice that my younger ones uh, have been reacting, you know. In a, in their own weird way, because they're they're still processing, especially my youngest, the one in kindergarten, following these events, because she felt so close to him. I think she was lashing out in school, and she's doing bad things. And and I think all children, at the end of the day, they do these things because they want and desire attention. And oftentimes, we can't give him that. We can't give him that kind of attention that they deserve in this moment. So I think it's critical for us to kind of pause and take time for the family. And that's what we plan on doing. Mm -hmm. I feel like coming days. I love that advice because I feel like we don't talk about the process of grief enough um, and what it does to us individually. Right. And, and children, you know, you and I, our grief brought us together. I remember when my kids lost both of their grandparents in a very short period of time they both dealt with it in different ways. And my youngest, I think, had the hardest time. And it just manifested itself in different ways. And you don't realize at the time that that is just part of the process. So I love that you are taking a beat. Um, and I do appreciate you getting on the phone and on the microphone with me because I know that this is this is taking time out of your precious family time. So I I. I I'm very grateful, and I hope that they're okay. But one thing that I do know is that you are a wonderful father, and um, they are so lucky to have you and your wife. Um, so just just know that um, I see uh, such a tremendous family unit in you guys, and they're going to be just fine. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Let's talk a little bit about you know, the nursing home thing. I know a lot of people are like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> here she goes again on her soapbox with the nursing home thing. Well, the thing is, we're never giving up. I don't care if it's four years from now, 10 years from now, two decades from now. Um, we're still fighting, you know, even though it's kind of behind the scenes, it's not in the headlines as much as it used to be. Um, you know, the former governor is still trying to trying to come back like a groundhog and pop his head up and say, here I am. Uh, is it, you know, six more weeks of my career? Um, but there are things happening uh, in Albany, and there is a bill out that I want to talk to you about um, that's being sponsored by some of your colleagues about an independent bipartisan investigation. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it's I think it's similarly modeled after uh, some of the federal way of investigating the COVID response. And uh, it's uh, definitely aligned with what we, you and I, uh, along with the Republican senators, uh, launched uh, a couple of years ago. Right. We even we went you went up there uh, to talk about the independent bipartisan commission. Uh, but the way that I think it's evolved now, 
because Albany is run by a Democratic Senate and a Democratic Assembly, uh, we needed the Democratic conferences to get behind an independent COVID uh, investigation. And then, so that's the product after a couple of years that we have introduced. Uh, so I support it. Uh, but I, when we launched our call for a bipartisan independent, I felt that it was important to have both Republicans and Democrats standing together. And that's why we had a Republican sponsor in the Senate and me as a Democrat leading the way in the assembly. But that's not how Albany works. Mm. <laughs> it's uh, it's It has to be led by the party that's leading the conferences. So I, I don't really, it doesn't matter how we get there for me. You know, we could have, even if we started and someone else finished the job. So I support it uh, as long as we get to the outcome that we want. And I think this you know, piece of legislation to calling for an independent COVID response that broadens not just the nursing home, but other aspects of how we dealt with COVID uh, is the right way to do it. Uh, and uh, I don't know how receptive it will the governor will be because she's already spent some money on the yep. outside contracts to do all this work. So if I were her, I would, that's probably how I would respond to any of this, saying, I already did this. I already spent the money. But yet, we don't have anything that came out anything. of it either. Yep. Yeah. So so I think, you know, we can introduce legislation again and we can push it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's always about the administration, right? We mm -hmm. pass 5,000 bills every year as a legislature. And I would say... 90 to 95 percent don't get enforced or administered properly and not and i'm not blaming just this one governor this is about like years and years of declining administrative public capacity to actually enforce the laws that we pass uh, so i i think we have we still have a long ways before we can actually get the kind of uh, accountability that you and i've been fighting for but like you said earlier we can't give up because our our very core democracy depends on your work and what we're doing. Because without accountability, all we have is authoritarianism and fascism and communism. That's the that's where we're gonna go, because our democracy works when people are held accountable. Powerful people are held accountable. Why do you still do it? Why? <laughs> I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you are still in leadership and, you know, get up every day and want to do great things. I mean, this device that saved this one man's life, you know, it will it's an impact, right? It's you see the work that you have done today with a story like the one we just talked about with the device. Um, is that what keeps you going? Is things like that bringing in a simple um, device that could save one person's life? I mean, what does it mean yeah, to you? I, yeah, I've, I'm very grateful uh, for the position I have because uh, there were times when I wanted to, and I've spoken to you this privately, that I wanted to give up and tap out. <laughs> it says it was too much. Uh, I lost three loved ones in three years. Uh, uh, you know, I'm down to by myself and my wife. Um, 
you know, there's a lot. I needed time for myself. And, but at the same time, I found your purpose and in, in the privileged position that I am in. And I've turned, just like you and others, I was able to turn some of my pains and traumas into a purpose. And um, not many people have that opportunity. And I, so I feel very grateful and privileged. Most people in our positions have given up. And most people are, do feel morally injured by the by the government, by the politicians, by the system. And that's what, so that's the tensions and, and all the ugliness and hatred that we see on both sides of the political parties everywhere. And, and I, and, and I, and I'm driven because I know that if we do a little bit more, if we fix this problem, this country is designed to be much better than this. This country is supposed to have be filled with hardworking, happy people that, you know, even at the end of their loved one's life, feel that feels confident that, hey, our government did everything to give my grandfather, my father, my mother, the dignity that they deserve at the end of their life. But right now, we're not there. Everyone, so many people feel morally injured. So they're just giving up and feeling unproductive. They don't want to go back to their jobs. They don't want to make money. And, and as long as we have that, this country is not going to work. Maybe we won't have an economy that works. So that's the, that's what drives me, Janice, because there's a larger mission here to save our state and save this country. And your work, it's just, I, I just hope that at some point, uh, a, an economist, someone who's, you know, who's at the elitist schools out there will go back in time and, and really see the value of the work that you put in to to really save this country from the bottom up. Well, I love you, my friend. I think you are just such a good human, and I feel so grateful that I know you. Um, and I'm glad that you're taking a time out with your family. I know your dad was so proud of you. Um, you know, you are an example of the American dream that we all strive for. You know, your family uh, came to this country for a better life. And here you are, you know, trying to work for the everyday uh, man and woman who are struggling, who are trying to get through uh, day by day after a once in a lifetime pandemic. And I, for one, am so grateful for your work. Um, and I just I just want, you know, to, to you to take care of yourself uh, and your family, but to get up and fight another day, because I know that's exactly the way your dad would want you to continue on. <laughs> Thank you, Janice, and I appreciate you so much. And I appreciate the, being on the Dean's List. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like I should get a PhD now. <laughs> an honorary PhD from Dean's List. You're already there, my friend. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much. Love to the family and, uh, and God bless you. And, and we'll talk real soon. Thank you. Thanks again to Ron Kim for joining us today. And you can tell how hard it is for him to talk about his father and his grief, which is so raw. But I'm grateful he did come on today, and I feel so blessed to know him. In a time when this country is so divisive and people are at odds with one another, Ron is a very good example of a man who is trying to do his job to help others and to change things for the future. 
Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. 